0: Thanks for tuning in today. We are super excited to welcome you to the Debunk, the first series of our Adobe Chats program. With the help of industry experts, we'll be using each episode to unpack some of the biggest myths in digital, marketing, and e-commerce. Today, we're delving into one of the biggest challenges modern marketers face, is email dead? And if not, what role does it have to play? It should be a good one. Let's see what our panel have to say. So my name is Joel Harrison. I'm Editor-in-Chief of B2B Marketing. I'm here with a fantastic panel of speakers and experts from the world of marketing, email, and e-commerce. So we're talking about some of the issues around email, which is as a channel, um, the death of email has been predicted for an awfully, awfully long time. And yet here we are in 2020 still talking about it. It It's still a really powerful thing, a really powerful tool for marketers, and something which we use all the time. So I guess one of the questions we're seeking to understand today is, has lockdown, has COVID actually accelerated that, that death? Or has it actually given it a whole new lease of life because of the ways we're consuming content is different to what it used to be um, and people are people's responding to that change in behavior so that's one of the questions we're asking or we're we'll also looking at why people might be clinging to email when they could have embraced new topics and channels we'll be looking at possibly how you try and drive um, an emotional impact from email marketing it's not particularly emotional channel it's quite a kind of transactional channel but how you make uh, might make emotional resonance work through that through this particular channel um, and we'll be looking at um, if email does actually have a future, if we conclude that, um, is it is it just because we're too lazy to do anything to do anything else, or how do we actually get the best out of this? And how is it going to work in this future world, future multi-channel, increasingly digital and sophisticated world that we're operating in? So those are some things we've been looking at today, um, and we're hopefully looking to have a good conversation. As I say, we've got a great. Um, selection of marketers on board today to talk about this with unrivaled experience of email. Um, I'm going to do my best to introduce them. Um, the first person to introduce is Chris Ashley Manns, who's CMO at WebEO, which is a personalization platform that helps organisations deliver relevant and personalised online experiences. And Chris, as well as that, you've also been agency side as well, haven't you? So you kind of you kind of post your term gamekeeper in that respect. So.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely right. right. Yep. Um, ex-agency, bit of client side. Yeah, bit of, bit of the best of both worlds.
0: You name it, you've done it, that kind of thing. Absolutely, um, excellent. Well, we're looking forward to your, your your insights from both sides of that particular fence, there, Chris. Um, uh, next person to introduce um, as CMO at Data Management Company Red Store, Gareth Case is responsible for, for uh, designing, delivering, and reporting on the company's marketing strategy to drive demand generation, revenue, and brand awareness. And Gareth, you're always someone you're for me. You're a bit of a go-to person. if want someone to say constantly controversial. You're generally happy to, to kind of comply with that. So, are you going to do the same today?
2: I'll do my best, Joel. I'll do my best.
0: Well, you know, it's, it's a tough job, but someone's got to do it. So, I, I, you know, I live in hope. Um, last but not least, um, I'm going to introduce Peter Bell. Finally, Peter Bell leads Adobe's commercial marketing team in Imeo where he spends his time bringing together Adobe's best-in-class marketing and commerce solutions to the commercial segment, helping customers innovate and power transformation across their business. Uh, so that's a, that, and that's a very tough job, Peter. I, mean, I wonder how you find time to do anything else when you're doing all of those things.
3: <laughs> time for a little else, if I'm honest. But uh, with no travel, no commute, Nothing at all about uh, those additional hours. Yeah, absolutely,
0: life's a, life's a simpler place. Although um, we have a different different kinds of complications along the way. So, um, and just to reiterate my role, so I'm editor in chief of B2B marketing. We're an industry portal, publication, event company, membership organisation. You name it, we do it a little bit like Chris earlier on, um, and um, around B2B marketing. And I've been writing and speaking about B2B marketing for 15 years. And So fascinating to go through this, look at this kind of latest iteration, some of the challenges we're facing in the current environment. It is a genuinely fascinating period. So um, obviously with a lot of stress and a lot of uh, trauma involved for people along the way. So... We kind of got four broad areas of topic conversation to look at, and the first one is to really examine the state of email right now, how we're using it, what good looks like, um, possibly even what bad looks like, because you kind of need to understand the bad to see the good. Um, And I I want to open this up first of all to Chris and talk a little bit about um, how he uses it. I mean, and and just to refer back to the the question at the topic there. I mean, Chris, do you believe this premise? Do you think? Do you agree that email marketing is dead or dying? It's kind of on its way out, and uh, and if so, if so, why is that? Why are we still, what, what's 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 kind of, what's signaling its demise right now?
1: I'm, I, I don't necessarily think that email marketing is dead. I think the way in which email is used um, has changed. I think it needs to change more. Um, but Email used to be a a fantastic lead generation tool. You could acquire some data, send some emails out and get some some great responses and and great results. That's changed. Um, Email now has to be used far more strategically in our campaigning, supporting all those other channels that we're using as marketers. Um, But I, I, I strongly believe it still does have a role to play in um, engaging with either our prospects or our customers, um, but albeit in a very different way.
0: Yeah, I guess it's, um, I mean, multi channel, omni channel is the words of the day, aren't they? And obviously, in in B2B, certainly less so in B2C, you know, we have uh, lots of complex decision making units and stages of the buying cycle. So, you know, um, there are lots of places it can be used, lots of use cases it can be used for. Chris, thank you for that. Good to understand your perspective on this. Gareth, where are you on this one? Do you think it's do you think it's on its way out or do you think it's actively dead and it's just we're kind of seeing the right the last rights of it right now?
2: Um, I don't think it's actively dead, Joel, necessarily. I still think there's a place for it in the future. I think that the, the biggest challenge you've got with email is it's undoubtedly overused, massively overused, and, and overused really badly in some instances. You know, as a recipient, i probably get somewhere between ten and twenty sales emails a day, whether that's coming through LinkedIn or coming into my inbox and you know, most of those aren't really worth reading if I think about it. Um, I even received one last week, by the way, with uh, the title, Dear Do Not Email. So there's a, a prime example of how data is really is really important in your email strategy. And we'll, we'll come on to some sort of best practice later, I guess. Um, I think part of the challenge is that we've got, you know, more channels now to communicate on. Um, when Chris and I started out in marketing and before email came around, we both had a full head of hair. So that should give you a, an indication as to um, the stress that email um, brings on, on CMOs and people responsible for marketing for, for their organizations. But, um, you know, it's still probably the most widely used channel, you know, 22, 23 years into my career. Um, and I'm guilty. I sent you know, as part of red stores, marketing plan, we sent nearly 4 million emails to our prospects last year. Um, and we wouldn't do that if there wasn't a good reason for it. But, you know, I have noticed certainly in the last 12 to 18 months that the response rates, the engagement rates on email are on the decline as we find new technologies and different ways to engage with our audiences.
0: Okay, so I mean, you know, I knew that we could pin a lot of sins on email, but I didn't realize that Gareth and Chris's follicular challenges were part of that. So that's, um, you know, that's a that's a that's a pretty tough accusation to throw at it. I think, um, so- Peter, what do you think? I mean, what what's, what's, go- what's email? <laughs> what's email-, email? gone wrong for you? How are your clients and how are you, how's your marketing function using email? Has it changed? What what's what works what, what works now and um and, and how's it useful?
3: Uh, well, before I answer the question, I need to observe. I want to keep any of my hair, I obviously have to stop sending email is what I've learned this morning so far. But uh, the, um, back to the question you actually asked me, uh, less is more. It's as simple as that. And it's much more effective. Um, you know, there was a time when, you know, we were crowding the calendar with a daily email send, um, and we pulled back from that. You know, when we put ourselves in the recipient's shoes, you know, there's, there's very few people. Or organizations we want to hear from every day we feel that something like twice a week is a good communication cadence uh, so the, the thing that is over for us is, is any notion that we need to communicate every day
0: okay so it's, it's a kind of shift in perspective of it and a shift in clients expectations so as much been driven actually by the buyer and by the recipient as it is by what what marketing what works for marketing what marketing what want to do that's the right right, right way round presumably though peter
3: it is. And, you know, what, you know, we measure, is it working for the recipient by the levels of engagement, you know, whether it's something as mundane as click to open or, you know, how much influence is it having on the, the lead process overall? But, um, you know, we need to be driven and, and frankly, we need to drive ourselves harder by the levels of engagement. We see the type of reactions we're getting to things and, and balance our use of emails has already been mentioned with other channels. Um, overuse, you know, is, is going to kill your message? Yeah, and and I think that segues really nicely with
0: the kind of next topic of conversation discussion we're going to have, which is around what's actually undermining email. And and, and you know, Peter's mentioned overuse. I think Chris might have mentioned it as well. Gareth, you might have mentioned it before. Gareth, is this what's is this what's what's gradually killing email? Is it kind of like death by a thousand cuts? What do you think? What do you think's grad undermining it and, and being the biggest challenge?
2: Yeah, we saw some huge changes when GDPR came in. I think a lot of organisations certainly in the UK and across Europe really started to panic when that came in, you know, who's actually responsible here. And there was a lack of understanding in the marketplace. But I think more recently, if you look at the COVID situation, you know, we were investing pretty heavily in a telemarketing strategy prior to COVID, which literally fell off the cliff come the, the, you know, the 26th of March, when we went into lockdown Um, and we had to then go back to other methods in terms of communicating and engaging with our audience. Um, We did that in a number of ways and email was a part of that strategy moving forwards. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I agree with, with what you said and I, I commented on it before. There's just too much of it. And I think the, the, the challenge with there being too much is it's really difficult to cut through the
0: noise. Yeah. Um, so so bad content, bad data equals probably bad email campaigns. But, Peter, I wanted to pick up GDPR particularly with you as we kind of mentioned it and kicked it around. I mean, it feels to me, I don't know what your perspective on this, the GDPR actually almost made email more powerful because actually it did force people to clean up their data and those ones who didn't were going to get fined. I mean, do you have a take on this? Has it, has it made, has it actually Forced us to be more responsible marketers, and therefore, it's it's actually almost
3: extended the life and made the, and increased the relevance of email. Not as much as it should. I, you know, I had great hopes for GDPR as a, as a, a both a leveler, but also you know, driving just better quality email marketing. You know, you're only sending email to someone who's interested in it, that you've got the message right, and it's relevant to them. GDPR should have been a, a much bigger catalyst for that. Instead, you know, we saw a period of intense conservatism where people worried, you know, didn't understand it, will I get sued? What does legitimate interest really mean, which is a big uh, topic for B2B marketers. But it just feels like we've forgotten. You know, I don't think we've forgotten the compliance piece. Uh, But, you know, it feels like things are back to normal, plus some limitations on when we can and can't communicate with someone. Uh, And that's kind of a disappointment for me. You know, I, I thought it was a big opportunity to really drive quality into email marketing um, as marketers. And, you know, I think collectively we're guilty of missing an opportunity. So we all reverted to type as soon as the immediate present
0: danger went away and and just carried on doing all the bad stuff we'd done before. Yeah, I think that's Gareth and Chris are both nodding their hair So clearly, that's entirely what's happened. Oh well, there was there was my little kind of fantasy of a kind of Nirvana-like future where we all entered a new golden age, just shattered. It's lying in pieces in the floor now. So never mind. Well, well, I mean, perhaps we could. I mean, I wanted to kind of ask the question to to, to Chris around. You know, perhaps they can reflect on that. But also, you know, Webio is a kind of um, a new platform, and so you're kind of you entered the market trying to do things differently. And obviously, a lot of what you're, I don't want asking you to kind of to sell the platform, but it's based on kind of. Um, your personalization and kind of inbound and stuff like that. So you know, is there a way that you can, you know, you can come into this without the baggage of that email expectation, at least as a, as a kind of workflow that means you don't get income. We don't have to get into bad ways from the outset. You can start in the, as you mean to go on in the right way. Is that helpful? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's quite refreshing um, coming into an organization um, at such an early stage that we can craft and determine how we're going to be using email you know, long term moving forwards. And it's actually there's much less reliance on email within, within our, our marketing comms plan. Um, and I think it obviously comes down to the data, right? If, if we're using email, it's either third party data or first party data. If the data isn't right, regardless of what channel you use, you're going to get poor performance. That's, 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 that's the way it comes down to it. But I think that um, when it is used in a more of a nurture piece of activity, when you've already had some form of engagement from a prospect, um, be that via social selling, be that through content consumption, um, online chat, for example, that we, see, we, we have a, a huge amount of activity from, taking those conversations into an email platform um, is right when you have a relationship in place. So you've already had some interactions with those prospects. um, And it's it's very powerful in incorporating email in that way. It's coming from um, a person or or brand that you've actually had some form of engagement in. So there's much less reliance on cold um, email activity within Webio, that's for sure.
0: And that's a very good point. It's, you know, email is not, uh, there's horses for courses, aren't there? Gareth, what do you think about this? It, is it, It's just about knowing when to use it properly and, and you've got to use it for the right audience in the right time, the right way. It's not, you know, and there are some places where actually you really actively shouldn't use it because it's going to do more 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 harm than good. Is that true?
2: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I agree with what Chris has said. You know, for me, there's, there's kind of three things in terms of getting an email campaign or the use of email correct and, and doing it properly. The first one is data, which Chris touched on. Um, you know, not only getting good quality data to send email to, but also making sure you're looking through the insights of that data, you know, on your prospects and, and recording things that can help you personalize and further target your your um your campaign materials. Um, I think secondly it's that it's it's using the email to deliver high quality and educational pieces of content which is really really key we've seen much greater success on thought leadership and educational pieces that have been sent out over email than we have done on our sort of salesy approach if you like um and the third one really is is a personnel challenge and i think lots of organizations whether they outsource it or insource it don't have the right resource internally to be able to gather those insights and be able to constantly improve and reiterate i mean chris will tell you because i've worked with him in the past um who who would have thought that 11 o'clock on a thursday morning was the best time to send an email um, if I told you it was four and a half times better in terms of its response rate than eleven o'clock on a Tuesday morning, no one would probably believe you. But having those sorts of insights, um, you know, and constantly split testing imagery, subject lines, call to actions, and that kind of stuff, you need someone in your team to be able to to facilitate and, and run with that.
0: We've segued beautifully into our kind of third topic, um, which is around what what good looks like, and we've already touched on this in different places in different ways. Um, so Gareth, you're you clearly you're clearly kind of quite. <clears throat> clear on the importance of actually testing and actually refining and making, you know, working out what, what good is and, and just incremental kind of changes of, of getting things to improve. Is that a, a methodology that you like to work with and you like your agency teams to work with? Is that is that a good ex- a, um, expectation?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and, and having that person internally, as well as someone at the agency from the data side, I think is really important. Um, if we get that data piece right up front, you know, you can start to deliver what I'd call hyper personalised campaigns. Um, I'll give you an example. We launched a campaign three weeks ago um, targeting only 75 organizations. So I think Peter touched on it earlier, less is more. Um, But what we did was create a one-to-one video for two contacts within each of those businesses. So 150 completely personalized videos sent out over email with a little thumbnail in the email, um, which then links them through to their video, which has then got more educational content, a white paper, an animated infographic, and a really cool looking landing page. And the engagement we've had from that campaign is far greater than we got from the you know, 150,000 prospects, fire them out once a week and, and talk to them about, you know, them about the latest and greatest that's happened at Red Store. So, you know, a little bit of planning and a little bit of sort of pre-campaign effort, um, in my opinion, dramatically Im- improves those results. And we've seen, you know, the more you personalise and the more you target and the more you offer up content that's engaging that helps those prospects solve their challenges, the better results you're going to get from
0: your campaigns. And that's entirely true, Gareth. I mean, Peter, I'm going to direct this next one at you, but I mean, in in essence, a lot of what Gareth just said there is the kind of conversation we could be having about email in 2008 or 2012. I mean, um, how much of kind of what great email marketing is is actually has moved on from that? Because a lot of it, there was a period where, you're particularly using platforms, I, I know you've been very honest. I don't want to talk about necessarily talk about the platforms, but you know, the platforms really inside out, and a lot of excellence is using them correctly. So you know, a lot of it is people hadn't got beyond the kind of um, lead scoring part of it. And so you're actually just not, you're not using the technology to the greatest effect, you know, so people actually haven't actually got their heads around it. So is that still, is a portion of bad practice still just down to those basic understanding of of what it can do and what what you should do with it as well?
3: Yeah, I I think it's like pretty much anything in life. Um, What you get out of something is what you put into it. And, you know, it doesn't matter which platform you buy. uh, If all you do is use it as an email cannon, then you're going to get poor results, particularly if you don't spell things correctly. You know, you're targeting the wrong people. Your data's uh, not correct, and all things that have been discussed. And you know, having the right skills, as Gareth was saying, it, you know, and valuing those skills. Too many organisations just do not value the email marketer. They don't value an ongoing investment in data as a, just a cost of doing business in a digital world. Um, you know, one of the companies I most admire. Uh, I met at a conference when we could still do conferences where, where they described how they kept the data clean. And they just had a team of six people, a data cleansing team, and that's what they did on behalf of the company, which meant everything in marketing, everything in sales, and everything in customer success ran so much smoother yeah. than trying to sort of hive it off or ignore it or maybe once and done attitude.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and, and that's, that's entirely a kind of lesson for life, isn't it? But, but Chris... Um, you know, email. We talk. We talk about kind of creativity within email and content. Content was mentioned by, I think, by everybody. to great. Obviously, it's a bit of an elephant in the room. You know, that what's what's in the. There's kind of the mechanics of what of, of how you send it and when you send it and who you send it to. But then there's also there's what you actually send as well. So, email to one level is a kind of um, a, it's a it's a channel for other other things. It's also about the creativity within. which You use the basic devices. I mean, that um, is that has that changed or moved on your your opinion because email subject line is still a really important thing where are we with this now is that is that something which is um an opportunity or is it just still the same challenge we were faced with uh, maybe five or ten years ago
1: i absolutely think that there's there's great um opportunity to be more creative um within our actual email campaigns themselves but i think it all comes down to that whole humanization of our, of our communications. You know, if you're trying to be too hard and too pushy and salesy as Gareth referred to it in your email campaigns, you're just not going to get that, that, that engagement from the, from the prospect themselves. So it has to be really human. And as marketers, that's quite a B2B marketers, particularly, that's actually quite a new uh, methodology of becoming more human in our comms. You know, we're very much in the old school way, taught you know how to be really effective in marketing and it's only probably in what the last three four years where actual emotion and humanization has come to the fore so regardless of what that email is trying to achieve if nothing else you have to be human and really try and relate To that individual's best way you can either be through hyper segmentation as, as gareth referred to um or just the tone of voice that you're using as well um i think there's too much stuffiness out there with with email comms which absolutely is is not needed and creativity doesn't need to come through to okay what does that html email header panel look like i think actually to really get engagement it comes in the in the in the copy that you're using going back to old school copywriting i think is it's become much more important where those slight improvements and changes is, sees it as a, a, a big difference in terms of results. Yeah,
2: it seems yeah, like if you don't mind me out. jumping in, if you don't mind me jumping in there, Joel, just to add to that as well, it's also about the experience that that recipient of the email gets. I mentioned the the email campaign we've just done into those seventy five businesses. They've all had a video where, you know, if you open yours up it says, hi, Joel, how's things at B2B marketing? We understand you've got A, B and C a problem. Can we come and talk to you about it? So you go, well, this is, this is cool. Then you hit the website and the B2B marketing logo using Webeo's uh, functionality, and we're a customer of Webio's. you know, your, your company logo is on the homepage of our website when you, when you click on it and it and shows your company name. And all of a sudden you're getting an experience that wasn't possible a few years ago because the technology wasn't there. Um, and we're seeing again, huge improvements in engagement where that personalization really comes into play. It's much more than dear first name, um, which, as I mentioned at the start of the webinar, sometimes
0: uh, people still get wrong today.
3: Uh, it's a very, very good
0: point. I know Peter had a point to come in on there as well.
3: Yeah, I just wanted to pick up on the tone of voice point because I think as marketers, you know, we've been discussing you know, the, the tool to get the job done as opposed to the discipline of marketing. And tone of voice for me is, I think there's huge gains to be made here. I agree with the point about B two B marketing is stuffy. It's it's uptight. It's corporate. There's, very rarely does it make you smile. It, even if you're selling, you know, hydraulic pumps or uh, stationery, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't have to be this dull, badly written, you know, boring email. Um, and I think there's a huge amount of scope in B two B marketing for better copy, uh, better writing, and and a tone of voice which is appropriate you know we don't want to be at the other end of the extreme with the californian hi how are you today because it won't resonate in the uk right <laughs> all... but equally this this victorian era approach to copy yeah. is doing us no favors uh,
0: your point around um um you know the copywriting and that kind of thing i mean we had a great session a great a round table recently with um our trainer uh, on copywriting, David Maguire, who talks about the, the the challenge, particularly inherently copywriting right now, trying to understand and and you know everyone said about customer um, sentiment, understanding what customers are feeling, it only just shows that this is you can't shortcut this. You, know, you have to do this. It's really really important. I'm very mindful that we're kind of starting to run out of time and we're having a good conversation. And I know that my three guests or our three guests, including myself, could talk about this probably about another 45 minutes at least quite easily. We've got some kind of, um, some more kind of concluding thoughts on this. And I'm going to ask um, uh, our guests in turn and our panelists in turn about this and, Gareth, I'm going to start with you. I mean, <clears throat> do you think that we'll still be having this conversation about the future of email marketing in 2025, or do you think that it'll be it'll be our it'll, it'll be a long since gone to its grave and we'll be lament, you know bored of lamenting its passing?
2: Five years, Joel. Probably yes. To be honest, um, you know, I think if you'd asked me five years ago, I would have said it would be dead in five years, and 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 that's incorrect. I think it's still got a pretty big play a place to to, uh, play in terms of engaging with our customers we're just about to launch an online marketplace at red store and that means our customers can effectively provision our software online and as a huge part of that success as a SaaS business are automated email flows and nurture flows to get people through that buying cycle Um, so without email in that instance we we wouldn't necessarily be able to achieve some of our goals Um, i think in terms of the the future i think we're going to see a ton of developments around artificial intelligence and machine learning, where I think email is going to be a lot more automated than it is today. Um, you know, we're always on the lookout for the latest tools and technology. That's what helps me differentiate Red Store from from our competition. Um, so yeah, I think it's going to be around. Um, it's not going to disappear overnight, but it's going to be used, I think, in a much smarter, more automated fashion.
0: So it feels like kind of what you're saying is it's, it's not only is it moving kind of down the buying funnel, it's more towards the kind of the end and in, in that kind of post. Transaction role as well in kind of the customer success function, but also it's, it's, it's a much more integrated tool um, in terms of the other channels because I mean, there are such a multiplicity of channels going on out there and using the smart way. Chris, how does that relate to your vision of, of where it might be, both for your company and what you're seeing in the wider market?
1: I think that's um in preparation for the session today, um I came across something called um accelerated mobile pages or AMP, and um it talks around how some that technology has really revolutionised the web and and the digital space, but actually, um it's actually being developed um for email use right now, where rather than having a static um, email HTML email that's that, that's you know that, that's being sent out to your audience is being received. Think of it like um, almost like a micro app within the email. So high levels of great interactivity direct on that email, um, contact forms within that email, video embedded within that email without all of the bounce rates headaches, which we know can be caused with email. So I think absolutely interactivity is going to be the evolution. And I think that will come much quicker than we think.
2: We've just started testing LinkedIn's beta Uh, conversational ads, I don't know if you've seen them, but it utilises their in-mail functionality. Um, And it it effectively sends an email, a pre-canned email to to a prospect or or a customer with some pre-canned responses. And when they click on them, it looks like there's someone typing at, at our end, but there isn't. It's a chatbot that's managing that entire conversation. So we're now testing those workflows through to, you know, essentially people downloading a trial of our product. And we're seeing some great engagement on that as well. It's a different way again, to managing, you know, a standard sort of email campaign.
0: So it sounds like I mean some great examples there from Chris and Gareth. You know, it sounds like the, the future for email is pretty bright, Peter. Um, and I guess the question I want to ask you is, and we talked about this earlier on, is you know there, there are there are a lot of there's a whole generation. You talked about skills earlier, which is a really really good point. There's a whole generation of, of marketers. You know, that we're seeing a uh, transitions of, of people who were, who are coming into the workplace, coming into marketing roles who don't have an experience of email. They're used to working primarily with mobile, with chat functions, with chat bots. Um, <clears throat> What would you say to a marketer, a junior marketer who, who was trying to question about why they should bother learning the fundamentals of how you do this of how you send out, create and send out campaigns? How would you respond to them?
3: Uh, very simply that, you know, email will remain the workhorse. I think we'll see some of the innovations, that, you know, Gareth and Chris have talked about, um, but it will remain at minimum just the workhorse, you know, connecting other channels, connecting as a customer, you, you know, if the relationship changes and, you know, that very much is email driven. So it's not going away would be my very, very simple message. And there's likely to be a lot of innovation. It quite often is knitting things together. But at worst, if you invest in understanding great email marketing, you'll understand the mainstay of B2B marketing.
0: I think that's a really, really great point. Extremely well made. So Peter, thank you very much for that. It it seems like what everybody's saying is that the rumors of email's death have been greatly exaggerated and there probably is a bright future for it. Who knew we'd be saying that in 2020? That's really exciting. And and, and, I'm, and I'm surprised and relieved by that, it's nice to know that not everything changes all the time. So there's a great role for it. Um, and the challenge for us marketers is to understand what that role actually is. So um, so yeah, the, the onus is back on you again. So um, I wanted to thank uh, our panelists today, who've been fantastic, who've given us some great insights. and I've really enjoyed and learned something from this today. Um, and, and I've tried to uh, not talk too much as well and just sit and listen, which is difficult for me sometimes. Um, I also want to thank everyone who's tuned in for this. So that's it from us. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our panelists and um, hope to see you very soon. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Debunk and a massive thanks to all of our guests and to you for tuning in. If you'd like to keep the conversation going or want to read more exclusive content, head to the Adobe Chats page. While there, you can also catch up on the next episode of The Debunk.
2: See you soon.